Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. So how many kids do we have today? We have three. That's a great number of kids. Thank you for being here, guys. Hey, how many of you guys have ever gone fishing before? You haven't? Have you guys gone fishing before? A little bit of times. I've only gone a little bit of times, too. Once I went fishing on the ocean. It was deep sea fishing. And it was really cool. I didn't catch anything. Then I went bass fishing on a, on a lake in Mississippi. And it was really cool. I was out with a friend of mine and we were in a little boat and we were in the middle of the lake and he was teaching me how to cast the rod and the reel and, and, and to reel it back in. And I didn't catch anything. <laughs> and then I went out catfish fishing with my wife and her mom and her dad. And we had... Um, I don't remember what the bait was, but we had this bait on the hook and we threw the rod out across the, the, the stream and it would sink down and we would feel something bite it and we'd be pulling and trying to reel it in and pulling and trying to reel it in and then the hook would come back empty. And we tried at that spot for at least an hour just kept throwing our rods and something was grabbing a hold of the hook and eating the food. But every single time it would come back empty and we didn't catch any fish. And then we thought my father-in-law finally said, you know what? We need to stop fishing here because we're not getting anything. I don't know what it is that's eating our bait, but it ain't a fish. Well, what it was after we stopped throwing the, 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 uh, the hooks with the bait out there and we were packing our things up, all of a sudden came to the surface, a big turtle. He's like, where's my food? You've been feeding me for the last hour. Where's my food? So we left. We didn't catch any fish then. I went deep sea fishing. I didn't catch any fish. I went bass fishing. I didn't catch any fish. I went catfish fishing. I didn't catch any fish. I'm not a fisherman. <laughs> and I want to tell you a story out of the Bible about a man who was a fisherman, but he didn't catch any fish either. Seriously, isn't that crazy? Let me read it to you. It's in the Gospel of Luke. It's chapter 5. And it says this. One day, Jesus was standing by the lake called Galilee. He was there with people who were crowding around him, trying to listen to him as he preached the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats. Guys, I need you to sit still for a minute, okay? He saw at the edge of the water two boats. Those boats had been left there by the fishermen. The fishermen were out of the boats and they were washing their nets. Because, you know, when we do fishing, we use a rod and a reel and it has a string on it and a hook. That's what that's the way I've gone fishing. But the way these guys went, they had nets. They were big, round nets and they would throw them out into the water and then they'd pull them back up. And if there was fish in it, then they'd dump that net into their boat and then they'd throw it out again and it would sink down. Then they'd pull it back up and hopefully they would catch fish in it. And whatever fish they caught, they just put them into their boat. 
And then when they were done fishing, they would row back to the edge of the lake and then they'd clean their nets and then they'd take the fish that they caught and go to the, to the, sell it at the store, at the market, or eat them themselves. So this morning, Jesus is standing by the edge of the lake and he sees these two boats that were left there by these fishermen who had been fishing all night and they were now washing their nets. And Jesus got into one of the boats. And it was the one that was belonged to a man named Simon. And he said to Simon, could you push the boat out onto the water a little bit? All of these people want to hear me preach and they're not, ha- they're having a hard time hearing me. And I'm thinking if I go out onto the water, it'll help amplify my voice like a microphone will. And so would you please just let me do this? And Simon's like, okay. And so they go out on the water and Jesus teaches the people uh, who are standing on the shore of the lake from the boat. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, thank you for letting me use your boat. You know what? Why don't you take your net and put it down and get some fish? And Simon looked at Jesus and went, "Uh, you obviously aren't a fisherman. We've worked all night, Jesus, and we didn't catch a single fish. Nothing. But... There's something about what you're saying and the way you're looking at me. And so I'm okay. I'll do it. I don't see how it's going to make any difference, but I'll do it. And so you know what Simon did? He took his net. He threw it out into the water. It sunk down. He started pulling it up like he did all night long. And this time, oh my goodness, the net was so full of fish. It was almost about to break. And he called his brother Andrew and he said, help me. And Andrew and Simon were trying to pull it up. They still couldn't pull it up by themselves. It was too many fish. And so he called over to his friends, James and John. He said, guys, come over, help me, help me. And these guys are trying to pick up the one and pick it up and get it in the boat. <sighs> hundreds, hundreds of fish came out of that net and into their boat. And Simon, you know what Simon did? Simon got on his knees in front of Jesus. And he said, Jesus, you need to leave me alone. I'm a sinful man, Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and he said, Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, I want you to follow me and catch men. No more catching fish catch men. Will you do that? And you know what Simon did? And his brother Andrew and their friend James and their friend John, all four of them left their boats and their nets and everything. And they followed Jesus and they became Jesus's friends. And they did what Jesus asked them to do. And they started teaching other people about God. And that's the story about Simon and Andrew and James and John, who were fishermen. They didn't catch any fish. And then Jesus said, I want you to stop being a fisherman and I want you to start helping me to tell people about God. You'll be a fisher of men. Isn't that a cool story? Can you imagine? You fish all night long and don't catch anything. You give up. And all of a sudden Jesus says, I can make you catch some fish. Hundreds of fish. That's a pretty cool story. Let me pray. God, bless these kids. Help them to learn from this story that in their own efforts, they can end up with nothing. But if they trust you, they can end up with way more than they could ever imagine. Way more than they could ever ask for. 
and that you will provide for every need that they have as long as they will trust you and follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, you guys can go back with your teacher to your classroom. And I'm going to talk to the moms and dads here. And the other people who aren't moms and dads. Well, I... uh, I have been very faithful this week in reading Matthew. I only missed a couple of days and caught myself back up. But I was able to read through um, every day. I read through the four chapters that I need to read. And then I also read the chapter that I'm going to be preaching out of. So all week long, I've been reading out of Matthew chapter four. Because that's the one that I was going to be preaching. So I would read the scriptures and pray. And then I would go back and read chapter four of Matthew. And I thought to myself all week long, this is going to be so easy to put together a sermon. This is the temptation of Jesus. This is so easy. And then I started on Friday praying about God. What do you want me to say to your people? Because I'll teach on temptation or I'll teach on fasting. And the Lord was like, no, that's not what I want you to preach on. Well, what do you mean? This is the whole sermon. The whole chapter is about this. No, it's not. That's not all there is. Well, what, what, what else is there? And then he started pointing it out to me. And what was really interesting, if you happen to have your Bibles and you want to turn to Matthew chapter 4. Chapter 4 follows chapter 3, obviously. Chapter 3 is the baptism of Jesus. Then immediately it says the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness so that Jesus could then fast for 40 days and be tempted. And then... Verse 12, it says uh, that Jesus heard that John had been arrested. So then Jesus went into the area of Galilee and he went to a town called Capernaum and he began his ministry there. Verse 17 says, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then verse 18 and following says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. This is the same story I just told the kids, only I read it out of Luke, because it's got a lot more inf- lot more detail. So we'll skip through this. Immediately, verse 22, immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Then look at verse 23. And Jesus went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria. And they brought him to all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and from the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So Jesus starts his ministry immediately after his baptism and then after the 40 days of spending time alone with God in the, in the desert, fasting and meditating, being tempted by the enemy. And then finally, he starts his ministry and starts it with a bang. <laughs> it's like, boom! Millions of fish, not millions, hundreds of fish produced out of nothing. I mean, nothing's going on. These guys are tried. These are professional fishermen. This is what they do for a living. Nothing. They've finally given up. And all of a sudden, at his word. And all the, and it opens up an opportunity 
for him to minister. But, but hear what happened before that miracle took place. Jesus very, I don't want to use the word craftily, but very craftily, he did it, he did it kind of an interesting way. He came up and he said, hey, Simon, your boat's sitting here. I'm trying to teach these people. Um, they're having a hard time hearing me. Can I get out on your boat and you take me out a little ways and we'll, maybe it'll help ap- amplify my voice. Jesus knew what he was doing. From the very beginning, he knew what he was doing. So Simon's like, yeah, sure, I ain't got nothing better to do. And so he gets out on the boat. And the whole time, Simon is a captive audience. He's hearing the teaching of Jesus. He's hearing Jesus preach the gospel to this crowd out on the, on the, on the shore. Simon's just sitting there cleaning his net or doing some paint, just thinking all he is is just the, the vehicle that got him out onto the water so that he could then teach. But the Holy Spirit of God is speaking directly to Simon's heart as he's hearing these words. How do we know? <laughs> well, look what happened at the end. You need to leave me alone. I am a sinful man. Well, what does bringing about hundreds of fish out of the water cause someone to think themselves as sinful? Had nothing to do with the miracle of the fish. It had to do with the fact that he heard the word of God being preached and it cut him to the core. And all of a sudden, his, the, the, the spirit of God is saying, yeah, Simon, yeah. Yeah, you think you're all that in a bag of chips, but you're not. You are a sinner and you need to get your act together before God because I have a reason for calling. I have a very sincere reason for you being right now at this moment and at this time in the boat with the man. And literally, if we go back and look at it, verse, uh, well, it's in Luke. It's not here. Um but if you go back to Luke chapter um, five, let me let me read it. That's the reason I use that story because it is it is the detailed one. <clears throat> Luke chapter five. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, "Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch." Simon answered, "Master, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets." So something's already going on. Something's already going on in his heart. He can't explain it, but there's something about this guy that's making him think something's different, something special. And then at verse six, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. Then they filled the boats, filled both boats so full that both boats began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he falls at his at Jesus's feet. Well, he fell at Jesus's knees. So basically, he falls on his knees, and he's literally I I see him literally wrapped himself around his le- bottom of his legs, or he's at least like this in front of Jesus, and he is cut to the heart, and he says, "Go away from me, Lord! I am a sinful man." And Jesus' response is, I find you acceptable. Because Simon Peter confessed his sin. He didn't list them. He didn't go, I did this and I did this and I did this and I did this. But he admitted, I am a sinner 
and I recognize in you and through your teaching the sinfulness of my being and how I have offended God Almighty. Leave me. I'm not worthy of you being in my presence. And Jesus does not reject him. Jesus says to him, follow me. And literally, Simon drops everything. Now, we are not told what happens here. If you watch the the television show called The Chosen, which is a new show about Jesus and his followers, I watched that scene actually this morning in preparation for this sermon. And in that story, James and John are fishing with their father, Zebedee, And so the father says to Andrew, Peter, James, and John, you guys go, I'll take care of this. You go, go with him. So we're not told what happened. We're just told they walked away from their business, leaving everything. I'm sure somebody took responsibility for the fish. They didn't just go to waste. I'm sure somebody liquidated everything or Zebedee took over all the boats. I don't know. We don't, we're not given that. And that's not the, the, the crux of the story. What we, are, what we are hearing, though, is that literally Peter, Andrew, James, and John, these established businessmen whose career is fish, this is what they do for their living, this is how they support themselves, they literally walk away from everything to follow this itinerant preacher whom they really know nothing about other than they've just seen something really cool. And then if you finish in Matthew chapter 4, it says, Jesus went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So as I was reflecting on this for myself, trying to figure out what I needed to preach on, this this phrase, this thought came about. I've always thought of Jesus as a teacher. That's what he does. He teaches. He uses parables and other things, but he teaches. And I know that he does healings. He does miraculous healing throughout the whole. I mean, he does miracles all the time. But quite honestly, I never thought of him as a preacher. Now, that sound, may sound crazy to you. You may be like, well, of course he preached. But I'm a preacher. This is my, my career. This is my job. This is my calling. So as a person who does this for a living, I was thinking, what did Jesus preach? I mean, come on, I preached. You need, I, my, when I preach, I preach, you need to know Jesus. What did Jesus preach? It says, if you look at verse 23, he proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom. If you look at verse 17, it says, Jesus preached, uh, saying the repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So there's two things. He preached the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. And, he repre- and in verse 17, he preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There is, I did a tiny little bit of word study in this because I'm not a Greek scholar, but I I, I looked up the words and I tried to do a little bit of study. The word teach literally means just to sit down and impart knowledge. 
Your goal in teaching is to just simply help your hearer or your listener or your student to gain information. That's what teaching is. To preach, the word in, in Greek is, uh, uh, I can't even say it off, because I, I, I listen to it over and over and over again on, on uh, YouTube, and I can never get it right. Cariso. Cariso. The way it sounds if you listen to it on YouTube is Caruso. Caruso. And I'm like, ah, but it's Caris, K-E-R-Y-S-S-O. Cariso. That means to preach, to proclaim. The, the, the difference between teaching and preaching is teaching, as I said, is to impart knowledge. Cariso is to stir someone up to some action or to win someone to your point of view, to motivate them. Um, so this idea of cariso is proclaiming, publishing, preaching, making people aware, but with the intent of motivating them to do something with that information, not just simply knowing it. That's the difference between teach and preach. Now, what did Jesus preach? Very clearly, verse 17 said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He didn't say the end world is going to end tomorrow. He didn't threaten them with death and destruction. He said, repent, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, we could spend hours trying to unpack all of this. <clears throat> and I don't have that kind of time, and I don't have that amount of information to share with you at this point. Um, but one of the things that you need to understand is when he says, when Matthew says the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about being in right relationship with God. So the good news or the kingdom, when Jesus was preaching the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about God is wanting relationship with you. That's what Jesus is communicating when he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. He's not talking about setting up an earthly government. Jesus is saying, the God of all gods has sent me, because I'm God, to reach out to you and to engage you in relationship. That's what this is all about. But before the relationship can start, Jesus says, you must repent. Repentance is not the same as confession. Okay? And you need to hear that. Bob Sugden has told you this in the past, but I'll share it with you again. Bob Sugden, back in 1985-86, was in the Philippines. Bob Sugden, in rebellion against God, auditioned for the part of Tevia in the, in the musical Fiddler on the Roof there at the local community theater on the base where Bob Sugden was stationed. When Bob prayed about that, he was told very clearly by God, don't audition. And Bob very clearly said back to God, I tell you what, I'll audition, and if you don't want me to have a part, you just block it. Just close the door. So I ended up getting cast, not in the role of Tevia as I wanted, but I was actually 
cast in the role of Avram the innkeeper. Well, I'm in the show. It's like six or eight weeks of rehearsals and then finally the performances. And during this six to eight weeks, I literally came that close, that close to having an extramarital affair. You see, I was experiencing at that point in my life what people refer to as the seven-year itch. We had only been married about six or seven years. I had been a young, I mean, an old teenager when we got engaged. I was 19 when we got engaged. We got married right after I turned 21. And I, at that point, after six or seven years, was feeling like I had been trapped. I've never had a chance to really experience what it means to be an adult, to do do things for myself. We've got kids and I'm just, I'm stuck. And in this rebellion, I almost destroyed everything. So then I confessed that. And I was like, I'm sorry, God, 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 please, please forgive me, please forgive me, please forgive me. And for the better part of two years, I couldn't hear from God. Every time I would pray, it was like there was a brass ceiling. My prayers were just bouncing back. And I literally, I would talk to the missionaries who were friends of ours. And I was like, pray for me. I don't know what's wrong. Talk to my pastor. I don't know what's wrong. And then finally, I don't remember what the occasion was, but there were some special services going on at the Asia Pacific Nazarene Theological Seminary at APNTS in Manila. And we were at those services. And the special speaker did an altar call and I went down to the altar and I was again, God, why can't I hear from you? Why can't I hear from you? I said, is there any sin in my life that I haven't given over to you? Oh, wait a minute. God, I've already confessed that to you. I've, can, I've admitted that. I've owned that. God, how, in that, how can that be a barrier? And I heard the Holy Spirit of God say to me, Oh, yeah, you admitted to it and you confessed, but you've not yet repented of it. Because repentance is a complete change of mind. A complete change of heart. A complete 180 degree turn from your sin. It is not just saying, yeah, I'm a sinner. It's saying, oh my God, I am a sinner. Please forgive me and help me never to put myself in a situation like that ever again where I ruin our relationship, please. Once I repented of my sin, heaven opened up to me again. I could hear the voice of God again. I could feel relationship again. It was the act of repentance that made the difference. And that's what Jesus was preaching. I'm offering to you good news. If you will turn from your own way and turn to God, I will make it possible for you to have relationship. If you will turn from your sin, yes, confess, but turn from your sin. And then you can have right relationship with God. Let me read to you. I just, just a couple weeks ago, 
There's a guy named Frederick Beekner. It's, it's spelled B-U-E-C-H-N-E-R, but it's pronounced Beekner. And all these years that I've read stuff from him, it's, I've always pronounced it Buchner until I heard that he had died. And then I heard somebody say his name on a news thing. And they said, Frederick Beekner, blah, blah, blah. And I went, Beekner? And then I looked it up and did some research. And that's indeed how he pronounced his name. Um, but in studying and learning about his death and then reading about some of his works, um, I came across this book, and it's not available through electronic reading, so I had to order it through the local library. It, they got it out of Anchorage, and it's now in my possession for a couple of weeks, and then I have to return it. Um, I will be buying a copy of this as soon as I can get my hands on one, because this is an amazing, amazing, amazing lexicon. And what it is, is all he did, he's a philosopher, he's a Christian, uh, incredible, incredible thinker, and what he did was he wrote 126 pages of thoughts about various words, words like Abraham, Adam and Eve, baptism, confession, death, despair, environment. And he literally, it's done alphabetically. Well, this morning, as I was still struggling, God, what do you want me to say? I know that I'm supposed to preach on these verses, the 17th verse of of chapter 4 and the 23rd verse of chapter 4. But what am I supposed to say? And this is the, pa- the, the, the four lines that I read that Beekner wrote on repentance. To repent is to come to your senses. It is not so much something you do as something that happens. True repentance spends less time looking at the past and saying, I'm sorry, than to the future and saying, wow. Because repentance is not, woe is me, I'm a sinful man, I have ruined everything, all of my things I could have been doing, but I was bad and I... mm." Jesus said, okay, I forgive you. Let's move on. Follow me. I have so much more for you. I have so much more for you. Follow me. But repentance is the letting go of, the turning away from. And in some cases, like Simon and his brother Andrew and their best friends James and John, it may very well mean a complete 100% cutting off of your of your past to enter into your new future. Or it may simply be that God wants your full attention. And he's not asking you to give up anything. He just wants your attention. Because what will happen is, what's so cool about having relationship with God, when you were in right relationship with God, when you've confessed your sins and repented of your sins and you are now following God, following Jesus, he changes your mind. He changes your heart. He literally changes the way you think. For people who are stuck with stinking thinking, people who are stuck with darkness in their world, he can truly clean it all up. Now, does he do it 100% of the time? No. And does he explain why he doesn't to some and when he does to others? No. God knows what's best. God knows what you need. God knows where you need the help. And God knows where he needs you to walk or stand on your own two feet. And God, but the one thing, and this is one of the things I, want, I wanted to share with you guys in this idea of following and of, of being a follower of him is he never leaves you. 
He never, 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 never leaves you. If he says to you, follow me, and you confess and repent your sins, and you turn and you follow him, he will never leave you, regardless of what you face in the future. So, yes, chapter 4 is all about Jesus' temptation, and yes, chapter 4 is all about fasting, and yes, chapter 4 is all about Jesus beginning his ministry and doing this really cool miracle and getting a couple guys excited and they're now following him. But the key, the key, the key to the preaching that Jesus did, not just helping people to learn about what God wants, but actual preaching, giving them the information with the, with the intent of causing some action in their life or some change in their life is repent. Because relationship is being offered to you at this moment. I'm paraphrasing. It's not, I love you. You're welcome in all cases. Everyone come to me. I love you. I'll never ask of anything of you. That's not what he said. He said, here's the standard. Repent. Follow me. And I offer you intimacy with the Almighty. Let's pray. Father God, I ask that you would please help us as we carry ourselves out of here today and go into our day-to-day life. Help us to carry this thought with us, Lord. Help us to, A, for our own selves, acknowledge and recognize whether or not we have indeed repented of our past and have turned and are following you and are now walking the path you have for us. I pray, Father God, that if there is someone that's in our life that doesn't know you, that is in rebellion against you, that is struggling because of their sin, you would give us the chutzpah to be able to stand in their presence, look them in the eye, and not just teach them about you, but preach to them the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that if they will confess and repent of their sins and follow you, that you will give them a wow instead of darkness. Father, bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.